0: Welcome to the Happy Client Show, where our goal is to help you build client relationships at Delight. My name is Ben Butler, and I'm joined here in studio, coffee in hand, by my co-host, Andrew Dimsky. Andrew, how's it going?
1: Ben, it is going really, really well today. I'm fired up about this topic because conflict is something that can really rip apart a retainer, rip apart a client relationship, set your entire team off course. And if we can do a few things early on in the process, I think we can avoid most of the conflict we see inside of our client relationships.
0: Yeah, that, I think that's something that people don't often think about is the fact that you can avoid a lot of conflict before it even happens. And that your mentality going in, and we have this saying around here, is if you're going into your client relationship and developing the strategy on the fly, you're going to get in big trouble. But with a little bit of front work and a little bit of thought, you can snuff out a lot of fires before they even start.
1: Yeah, totally agree, man. And it is like, if we think about our experience at Guava box, we recently had a client experience. We will call it where a plethora of conflict existed. (laughs) And now conflict can be good and bad. Like it's, if you are in conflict, it does not mean that there is a negative result, but the theme of today's conversation is going to be about the negative side of conflict, the not so fun side of conflict and how to avoid that poison in a relationship. So that we, Ben, you and I were working on this account. They were a, a little bit of a, a troubled account from the beginning. And we kind of smelled it coming down the line. Um, but it came back to a poor onboarding experience and a poor job on my part. I sold it. A poor job of setting expectations clearly in the sales process. Um, really a, brought about a negative feeling. And it. what it caused was at each turn, because... The expectations weren't set clearly up front, and they were expecting things that we weren't going to deliver. Even though those were written in the contract, they still had expectations that weren't clearly addressed. That caused moments of hesitation throughout the entire process to where they were double-checking and doubting our recommendations at each phase. And what, turn, what was the most successful onboarding that you and I have ever done, Ben, we were delivering results for them within eight weeks. Because they had poor expectations up front, they didn't think those were good. And if we had done a better job, we would have a retained the business and B would have actually helped them grow their business. and it hurts me because I saw them walk away out of frustration when in fact, if they stuck with it for another 10, 12 months, they would have blown them they would have blown it out of the water. We were on track that early. But because of that conflict it rooted itself in, we couldn't turn it around. We didn't have an opportunity to do that. So the the high-level theme of today's conversation is that 90% of conflict can be avoided with some intentional work on the front end. And we're going to walk through a couple different ways on how we do this, Ben. So do you want to kick us off on how do we prevent client conflict before it even happens?
0: Yeah. The first way that we can do that is something that you're just talking about. It's to set clear expectations in the sales process. And I would say this is probably one of the biggest places where conflict is going to root itself and begin to grow in the darkness of the unknown. The sales process is often driven on making the sale, but once a sale is made, the project management team is caught with a client with unreal expectations. So here's what I'm telling you guys out there today. Do not sell bloated promises. That's the first thing that you can avoid. What a bloated promise that gets someone to sign on the dotted line is going to do, it's going to set unreasonable expectations that you know don't have any gravity in a, any kind of situation so you want to make sure that you're being very real when it comes to the sales table.
1: Ben, what are some thoughts? I love the idea of setting clear expectations during the sales process. Tangibly, what are some ways that we can make sure that a that a prospect is on the same wavelength as us? How can we do that?
0: Yeah, I think a a big part of what we do as not only as agencies but as inbound marketers is to educate And so at every level, you want to tell them a why rather than a how. So instead of saying, here's how we're going to do this, you want to say at every single depth and every single tier of your plan and your proposal, here's actually why we're doing this. Here is why we're going to implement this. And here is why it takes X amount of months to get this going. And here's why we have to set this groundwork. So I think talking a lot about the why and diving into education, whether that's preparing uh, some kind of video, some kind of content offer that you can give to them that is going to tell them all the necessary pieces of information that they need. But you want to make it really clear why you're doing things rather than here's how we're going to accomplish this.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I think assignment selling, which is something that Marcus Sheridan from the sales line talks a lot about, where you require a prospect to consume a certain amount of content at each phase in, in the sales process. I think that is something that helps maintain clear expectations because they are ingesting the right material early on, so that their 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 wavelengths almost are adjusted to what to expect there. And then also, it's having a framework as an agency. If you have a game plan, like we have at Guava Box, where you can walk through exactly what to expect over the first twelve months, that is really really helpful. Is point number two. And point number three is. I, I like to say like if, if you think you're going to get results in in six months, tell them you're, to expect to see results in nine. That way you look like a superhero for delivering them in six. If you think you can do it in three months, tell them six. Always set the expectation low so that you and your team have an opportunity to come in and win because we know there are a lot of unforeseen things out here that might delay progress. So the last thing we want is for the client to say, hey, they they said that we would see results three months ago, but we're not seeing anything there. Uh, so if, if you're the one maintaining the expectation there, make sure that you give your team some wiggle room and enough opportunity to deliver on what you're saying.
0: Yeah, and again, this this all goes back to honesty. It's important to be persuasive in the sales process, but you don't want to forsake and sacrifice honesty and your agency's reputation for the sake of a sale because what Andrew and I learned is you can sell something, but if you don't set clear expectations you put all that effort into selling and creating this plan and launching the account, but you're going to lose it because sooner or later the truth is going to come out or the client is going to be in some kind of darkness and they're going to eventually start questioning what you're doing. It's going to ruin the relationship. So you have to be truthful, honest, and you have to undersell and overdeliver.
1: Amen. So that's way number one to avoid conflict before it starts is setting clear expectations in the sales process. Point number two we want to dig into is perfecting your client onboarding process here. Now, Ben, how does the onboarding process relate to conflict?
0: Absolutely. I would say besides the sales, and these are kind of in order of what causes the most conflict if left unchecked to the least amount, but these are all equally important. The onboarding process is a fragile time. You've earned trust in the sales process. But you, your job doesn't end there. You have to continue earning and gaining trust through the onboarding process. So and what's also really important to consider here is a lot of clients deal with two different teams. They deal with a sales team and a project management team. And often those two teams have different mentalities. So this onboarding process, it, it often involves a bit of a transition from one team to another. So naturally, whenever you have one person who sets down You know this kind of expectation over here, and then you have, you know, for instance, this is where I would come into the process. I come in with a a different leadership style, a different communication style. So you want to make sure that there's a smooth transition from one team to the other.
1: Yeah, I agree with that, and it's going to be. So we need to think about how do we create and and facilitate that that smooth flow. Having a documented process. And inside your project management tool this is something that we take really, really important when we think about do inbound and the way we build do inbound is how do we create a streamlined process that makes sure that everyone has tasks assigned to them. And while the iron is hot, it's never hotter than during that onboarding process. They're bought into the idea. They've just written a check. They're fired up to get started. Now is the time to grab as much content as possible and really position your entire team to deliver good results philosophy that Ben and I and the rest of the team at Guava Box have is dig in, get as much out in the first month as possible, and then find creative and fun ways to repurpose as much of that raw, un- untamed content as possible. It's sort of like we get it as a wild Mustang, and we harness it and break it down into a couple different forms. And then by the time we launch, we are a beautiful parade of horses going down the road because we've got all these things organized. And because we got the content out of the client to begin with, we're not chasing people around trying to figure out how to get a topic for this week's blog. That's going to set your entire team um, really, really off. It's going to it's going to disrupt the timeline and, and delay everything. Grab the content up front through a smooth, documented onboarding process, and you guys are going to be in a position to scale based on where
0: you want to go. Yeah, and I I'm willing to put my butt on the line to say, New client onboardings should be a must. This is non-negotiable if you want to avoid conflict and if you want to stop it before it begins. I, I think, again, that concept of you know people are excited, they're getting into it, and there's this really vital time to get things right and to get them right, right from that beginning. So I think it's important in an onboarding to review the method, you know, to reiterate your philosophy, to go over the timeline, to introduce the team, and then discuss who is responsible for what. And I think on a personal level, this is also a great time to start kindling some of that chemistry. You know, take some time to introduce everyone. Put some humanity into your process. And it's also – this is a very vital point. Set a designated point of contact from each side. For instance, again, this is where I come into the process for a client relationship. I'm the point of contact between our team and their team. And we want to make sure that there's someone, one person who I can go to, report to, to give them information and to, if I have a concern, you know, to issue it to them. You don't want to be chasing down five people and just going down the row. You want to have one person that you can speak with.
1: Yeah, totally agree with that. By identifying that person, you can really make sure that these s- issues that start small get vetted and get out in the open as early as possible. And I think that's a great thing to add during the end of any onboarding meeting or any meeting in general is, hey, do you guys have any frustrations or any concerns or anything that we should know about right now so we can get it out in the open and help and help get a solution oriented? And then just throw it over to them by having that um, that open dialogue, you're going to be able to nip a lot of these things in the bud before they become big deals. And we've seen that be really, really helpful as well.
0: So- yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, th- I think being 100% honest and not holding anything back is going to put you on the right track. Because conflict is often caused by things that get tucked away in the darkness, as I like to say, that fester. And then when you least expect it, you walk in on a Monday and they explode
1: Kind of like this thunder that's happening outside the office
0: right now. This is crazy. This is oddly appropriate, though, I think. I think the sky (laughs) is falling right now.
1: (laughs) So we've got two ways we've identified so far. Set clear expectations during the sales process. Perfect your client onboarding process. Way number three, maintain regular, real communication. Ben, I think this is something that you do really well. And I remember during our interview when you were getting ready to come on board to Guava Box. I remember you saying, I, my philosophy is to over communicate. And can you tell us why is that kind of a philosophy and mindset so, so important, um, during the regular communication and also just as like a standalone idea here?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And we'll, we'll get into point four in a minute, which is really going to dive deeper into this concept of over communication. But, uh, Maintaining regular, real communication is important because another cause of conflict is going to be things that kind of get tucked away, again, that are going to fester and explode. But by having regular, real, and I mean real, either on the phone or face-to-face communication, you're going to have an opportunity to draw out those conflict causers as they're going through the client's mind so that you can address them and that way they continue to keep the faith, as I like to say. So that's why it's important to maintain this regular real communication because it's going to make them feel like if they have a question, concern, or point of Contention that they can get it out while it's young and get it out before it ruins the relationship. So that's why it's it's really important to maintain this communication. I know at Guava Box, at, at what you and Gray did is as you're developing Guava Boxes, realize that weekly meetings, either via phone or in person, have made a world of difference. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah,
1: it's just a check in. You know, our philosophy at the beginning was we're going to follow a strategy, and then we're going to address any concerns that might come up. And when we need something, we'll ask them. And when they need something, they can ask us. What we found is that was way too unstructured because we might go two or three weeks without talking to our point of contact because things were flowing smoothly. When we added these weekly touch points, we could go back and make sure that we hit on the why we were doing things. And I think as, as an inbound marketing consultant or manager who's on the project in the trenches, it is, your, it is your job to bring the client back to the why as many times as possible. Because in a way, you're always selling them on what you're doing. Sure, you're delivering services alongside with them, you're partnering with them, but you're always reminding them why that you're going about doing this thing. Share with them the vision, get them excited about it again. And by meeting and touching base once a week, even if it's a 10-minute a phone call and you just chit-chat and you say, okay, I've got nothing on my list, you've got nothing on yours, cool, we'll talk to you next week. That's building a relationship and it's, it's getting a gauge for how that client, how the health of that uh, engagement is going. And I would really, really encourage you to think about adding this to your process and to your workflow of just touching base weekly and figuring out what's going on in the, uh, in the client's world. Is there anything you can do to help them out? Anything you can do to make their life easier? Those sorts of things really position you as someone who cares and who's committed to helping them realize their goals. Um, and it's going to sniff out a lot of those problems before they become big things and like you were saying Ben that's so so important to just to healthy real communication.
0: Yeah. I think another point that is really worth mentioning in this is it keeps things on track. It keeps things on track, I feel like. Whenever you have a weekly check-in that you know you're going to have week in and week out. If a client owes you something or if there's something that's holding up your process on either end, this is a great opportunity to address that in the open and say, hey, you know what, we, we need this outline filled out. We really need it to, to move forward. And I know this, this has happened to us time and time again, where you know sometimes it's really hard to get in touch with a client. They're busy. You're busy. But if you have this time where you're disciplined and you sit down every week, you can move things ahead faster and smoother.
1: And what I really like from this time, Ben, is having detailed notes So we use Google Slides for this and we have an agenda for each week of action items we need to hit. And whenever we're getting ready for a new meeting, we just clone that slide template from the last meeting and it creates a great log of everything that you did in the past quarter in one spot. And then we can use that inside of do inbound and just paste that link on any tasks that we need to. So we've got that that central place where notes are taken and it allows us to go back and just see how progress has been made uh, through those meetings, take notes on there so that everyone can share and collaborate on it between us and the client. That's been a little, a really little thing that's really helped us streamline that process a lot.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I and I, I think there's something to be said about one centralized location of of notes that you can. And I honestly, I, I think some clients chuckle at me. They think I have a little bit of a memory problem because I always send them the link. To the where the notes are, and I always mention them. Hey, you know, here's our centralized note hub. But you know, <laughs> they're like, Ben, have you been drinking your coffee lately? Well, yeah. <laughs> but Just, uh, I think it's really helpful.
1: Uh, it's it's so critical. So we've got clear expectations, sales process. We've got perfecting that client onboarding process, maintaining regular real communication. Ben, take us deeper into your over communication idea in way four. With proactive overcommunication.
0: Yeah, absolutely. This is something that I, that I learned really early on. Whenever I started a, a, my PR firm here in Pittsburgh before I joined GuavaBox, is you know especially being a, a communications professional, uh, I have this philosophy that proactive overcommunication is a must. And the the saying that I have is, you want to overcommunicate before you undercommunicate. You know, if there is an extreme. That you're gonna throw yourself into, over communication is the extreme that you want. And we're not talking about TMI, like, oh, I just went to the bathroom. No, we're talking about pro- proactive over communication in the circumstances of if you're uncertain, ask. If you've completed a task, tell them. If something's not right, bring it up. If you're about to modify something and you're, again, not sure, get permission. And uh, to the point of telling them about a task that's completed, there are so many things that we do as inbound marketers and, you know, and in agencies on behalf of clients that they're often behind the curtain, especially development work, You know, setting up things in HubSpot. Those things are – they're blind to the client's eyes, and it's our job to tell the story of what we're doing on their behalf. As I like to say, if you didn't communicate it, honestly, I don't think it happened. So
1: if a task falls in the woods, no one heard it.
0: That's what I'm saying. I think we just we just answered an age old question there. <laughs> <laughs>
1: totally agree with you. And this, I mean, we see this a lot when we're doing like a website transfer or something like that. We're doing like the 301 redirects, and you're taking, you know, 200 plus links, and you're making sure they all get redirected to the right place. Uh, we we recently brought on a client where their last web designer didn't do that, and so we're like, well, you've got all these dead links out there that aren't doing anything. Client doesn't even know what that means. If we put in the work to fix it, we need to tell them that and we need to document that. So I love that point, Ben. I've seen a lot of really, really good results since you've come on and you've started communicating with our clients in that way. So I really encourage you guys in that sense to never be afraid to reach out and contact the client, reach out and ask a question. They want to know that you are working for them, that you are engaged. So the more often you're communicating with them, I think that really assures them that you do have their best interest at heart and you are doing all that you can do to help them achieve their success. So over-communication through that process is going to be really, really valuable. So the final step we want to hit on here today is keeping decision makers in the loop and this Way number five, Ben. I could have used this podcast two years ago. Where was it? <laughs> Keeping decision makers in the loop, I'll tell you what. I've lost two retainers off the top of my head right now around this idea where things were groovy with the point of contact. But what I didn't realize was that the, the head of marketing was being usurped by the president. And because the president wrote the checks and I didn't check in with that president enough to make sure that he was aligned with the vision of what we were doing that the cost made sense, that he understood the ROI, all of those different things, we lost to the account. And it was a really sad experience because we were doing really good. We'd seen really good growth over an uh, 18-month, 18-to-24-month period with them with organic search traffic growing by over 100%, and they were getting really good uh, close rates based on the leads we were providing. But what happened was the president just saw the cost of HubSpot, and he saw the cost that we were billing each month, and because he wasn't in those weekly calls with the marketing director, he didn't really understand it. And his leadership style was not one that I would emulate. He made a decision to cut it without even telling the, the marketing person and ended up setting them up with a cheaper firm that completely trashed all of the SEO and the blogging work that we had done for two years. Um, and, I mean, they're tanking right now. It's really sad to see it. But because we didn't communicate clearly with that president, Make sure that he was in there quarterly. It seems so simple, and I kick myself now for not doing it. Um, well, you got to keep that decision-maker in the loop, Ben, if you're going to keep the entire thing moving forward. Just because you've got a great relationship with the POC doesn't mean that the account is necessarily healthy.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think too often decision-makers get put out of the conversation, and you know what? They miss valuable moments and victories. Those milestones that you throw your hands up in the air about, that you you pop the cork over. You know they're missing those milestones. They haven't they haven't had those emotional moments of just pure victory and and delight. So, you know what? Here's what I like to say: They sign the checks. They should know what's going on. Amen.
1: And it's you got to think about how you communicate with them. Um, you, know, you can get a little bit more technical and a little bit more tactical if you're working with a marketing POC as to you know, how we optimize this blog post or what the conversion rates were on this call to action, those sorts of things. But with a when you've got a president, for example, or a CEO, they don't like to mess around. They like clear ROI. And they want to understand the progress, how we're tracking towards our goals. It goes back to your sales process. Again, you've got to set those clear expectations in there and understand where you're trying to go as a business. Break those high-level goals down into smaller, more achievable goals. That's where really understanding how many visitors and how many leads you need to generate in order for them to see a certain result is key. And I think this is like we're going to look into the future a little bit here, Ben. And inbound agencies, inbound marketing agencies are going to be shifted more and more towards inbound agencies where they cover the gambit of inbound marketing and inbound sales because you really can't measure the ROI of inbound marketing until you have a say in the the way those leads are handled and the way that the follow-up is tracked for those leads. Because we, I mean, in our background is a lot of industrial manufacturing, a lot of like heavy uh, equipment construction industry kind of stuff where... Sure, they've been. these are a lot of people, salespeople, who go out and knock on doors and get kicked out of buildings and uh, do a lot of old-school sales tactics like that. So when you deliver inbound leads to them, sometimes they don't know how to handle them. They're a little bit overwhelmed by it because they don't like just picking up the phone and asking people questions or looking and seeing what resources they've downloaded, doing those sorts of things. So getting the decision maker in early and casting the vision for what inbound can be and what inbound can do And then bringing them in at least on a quarterly basis, maybe on a monthly basis, and educating them about what's happening and how how that activity connects with the goals that were set at the beginning. I think that's so important, Ben.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I I can't stress enough to be clear and concise with decision makers and that you definitely have to have two gears and two modes whenever you're talking to your point of contact versus the CEO or the president. Andrew, you have a fabulous story about this that... I chuckle about to this day. Can you share that? The Yeah, you just have
1: to – I was in a meeting once and I had uh, another associate in there with me and we were communicating with the president and, and it's, it goes down to basic communication style, basic communication theory. You could tell that this president was a type A personality and my associate wasn't communicating very well to him. He was talking – in abstract terms, um, wasn't clear into the chase, wasn't assuming responsibility. It was really a frustrating experience for me sitting there because I wanted to step in and say, here's the answer to your question. Here's where we messed up. Here's where I need you to pick up the ball and run because you guys messed up. We didn't communicate in a direct manner like that. And so, what I think the takeaway from that situation was, Ben, that you as a communicator need to analyze how does this person communicate with me? If I'm sitting across the table from a president or across the board table, how can I translate inbound and in what we're doing so that this person understands it? I need to understand their goals and what they count as success in their business and in their life and then translate what we do into that, into that world, view it through that lens so that we can communicate clearly with them. We can't talk to the CEO the same way we talk to the online marketing manager at a company who might be our regular POC. We need to change up our verbiage to match the people we're talking to really important.
0: Absolutely. I I think there's too often uh, an arrogance that comes with being a marketer in general. I think it starts all the way at the top with this industry. Sometimes there's this arrogance. like We think we have all these philosophies and terms and theories and all these things, but you really, like you said, you have to strip it down and translate what it means because some of this stuff, I don't even know what it means. I just know the theory behind it You know, and you start slinging terms, you really have to translate that so you don't have people scratching their heads.
1: Yeah, because that, if they feel confused, that really leans back on the entire perception of the relationship. And that can really hurt you going down the line. So let's recap these five ways to avoid conflict before they start. Set clear expectations in the sales process, perfect your client onboarding process, maintain regular, real communication. Proactively over-communicate with your client and keep decision-makers in the loop the whole way through. Those are our five. Ben, do you have
0: any closing thoughts before we close things out here? Absolutely. Basically, the best way to avoid conflict is to extinguish it before it can build. Keep that in mind as you think through your agency's client experience. Ask yourself, how can I extinguish the fires before they get too big for me to contain? And it's going to be important for you to work hard on the front end to prevent explosions on the back end.
1: I love it, Ben. So that is a wrap on episode number two of the Happy Client Show. Thank you so much for taking time to listen to us. If you've enjoyed this podcast, we would really appreciate a review on iTunes that helps spread the word and get other people the help that they might need to deliver better services to their client. And until next time, keep working hard. Focus on over-communicating with your client. If you've got Uh, This week, let's take an action. Let's think about how you can do a better job of communicating with the clients that you are managing right now so that you can do a better job of delivering delight to them.